0: If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn uh, to Acts chapter 5. That's where we'll be uh, hanging out today. And we are still in our series, as Pastor Tony mentioned, and it'll be through the rest of this month. And then we'll probably take a a break, probably most likely through the end of the year. We'll probably jump back in at the beginning of of next year because so much comes so quickly um, for the rest of the year. So we'll be taking a break there, but I hope you've enjoyed it. And we've really uh, just... It, it, we've made a, an effort here, as you can tell, to just take our time to walk through this. And I hope that you are, you're doing your best to spend some time in the book of Acts. And really the theme in, in chapters 1 through 7, and that's where we're going to get through uh, by the end of the month is at the end of chapter 7. The whole theme there is that they were witnesses in Jerusalem, right? Because that's what Jesus had left them with. You know, he talks about walking them out and, and to start with Jerusalem before they go further. And so all of this has been happening in Jerusalem, everything we've been covering. And so that's kind of the, the big overarching idea of what's what's going on before the, the gospel goes out further. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, if, you have, if you've ever had kids or watched children or anything like that, or maybe even a dog, um, if you remember, hopefully everybody else can relate, not just uh, myself and my wife, but when our kids were young and they got to that age where they learned to, like, get out of their crib, does that bring back any memories for anybody? You know, and you have that first-time discovery. I don't know how it went for you, but you come back and you're like, I, I swear I left a child here, like, two minutes ago. And they're, they're gone. And you're just like, what is going on? How in the world did this kid learn or escape. And so then, you know, back, maybe maybe you had a camera or maybe before cameras, you kind of set up the whole scene and sort of watch from a distance trying to, how does this kid do it? And sure enough, you'll find out, you know, their, their secret, how they managed to, to get over the edge and get out. Well, this is kind of uh, the scene, if you will, not the kid getting out of a crib, but really the disciples here, as we jump back in, were put into jail And somehow, miraculously, they were out. They had escaped, and we're going to kind of look at what's going on. Uh, And and again, we kind of wrapped up in this this scene last week, as the disciples, an angel shows up, and the disciples leave jail, and they're out doing what what they had been called to do, what they've been told to do by Jesus, and they're they're out sharing the gospel once again. Again, if you remember here, as, as we're about to look here in chapter five, last week, I'm sorry, a few weeks ago, there was a very familiar story where the Sadducees arrested some of the apostles, but this time, again, it's a little different with this jailbreak scene, okay, because they had been locked up with the intention that they were going to now be, be brought in front of the Sanhedrin and questioned, but they, they can't find these guys, And so today we're going to see twice that the disciples are delivered from their situation. Once they were delivered from jail, they were able to get out of jail because of the angel's help. Um, And then a second time, really, when they're in front of this group of men, they, they basically get so angry that they want to kill them, and they're able to be delivered, which we're going to find out how that happens here in a moment. But yet, twice they're delivered, but once they are not, because out of the whole deal, they still manage to get flogged. Which is not a fun experience. If you don't know what that is, you can look that up. It's not an enjoyable. It's a punishment, and so again, they still bore something. They wouldn't just get away scot free, if you will. So in Acts chapter five, we're going to jump back in uh, at verse 25, and so here again is the scene. Um, they they've the Sanhedrin have gathered. They've gone to get the, the the apostles, the disciples, out of the jail. They had left them. Discovered that they're gone. Okay. And now someone is going to come in and they found where they're at, and they were going to start from there. So in verse 25 it says, "And someone came and told them, the Sanhedrin, it says, "Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people." Then the captain, with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And again, if you recall, Pastor Tony mentioning last week, the people, they, they had this reverence or, you know, they, they had appeal, the, the disciples had appeal, but nobody wanted to join them. But they were really loved by the people, and so they didn't even want to, like, arrest them because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And so they went to the temple and basically gave this invitation to come with them. And v- picking back up in verse 27, it says, And when they brought them, they set them before the council. Uh, sorry. Before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in his name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we once again, Lord, thank you for today. God, we just are thankful that you're here uh, in amongst us, Lord, by your Spirit, God, that you're uh, in here as we Again, hear your word, Father God, from the scripture. God, the word of God as you promise and say, Lord, that it's, it's living and alive and active, Lord God. And so, God, I pray that, that this message today, Lord God, will stir our hearts. God, that it will land again where it needs to in our hearts. And, God, we would take this today and apply it to our lives into action. God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think I've mentioned before, and I'll use it as an illustration again today. But you know, whenever you go to some great um, marvel of a structure, a building of some kind, you know, I I think of uh, in the Middle East where we were for many, many years. uh, Over there is the tallest building, the Burj Khalifa, in in Dubai, and this massive structure. And when people walk in. You know, everybody's wanting to, to get on the elevator to go where? To the, to the top floor, right? Well, maybe not some people. I'm sure some of you is like, I'm, I'm good from the, the ground. I can look at it from here. But a lot of people want to go because they want to see its magnificence, see the views from up at the very top from the observation deck. But it would be interesting, though, to walk in and say, is there any way that I could go to the basement? All right? I want to go down, and I want to see just what this foundation looks like because it's just, a, I love the cement you know, and the smoothness of the walls. It's just phenomenal. You know, would anybody want to do that? Probably not, right? May, again, maybe if you're a builder and you want to check out the foundation before you go up, that might be an option. But the foundation truly is really what makes the building and the structure able to, to reach its magnificence, right? And the foundation is critical, we would say, even just in our homes, our foundation, nobody wants a cracked foundation because that does you no good when it comes time to sell your home or to check the value. A foundation is key. And here, what we're looking at, and this is something I want you to understand. Every single week, the, the whole time, the rest of the time we're in Acts, this is the foundation of the church. This is the, the church, this new thing called the church being established, and its foundation is what we're looking at. Its very beginnings, again, it's, it's, it's founded on Christ, don't get me wrong, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but this is, this is the beginnings of the church. And so we need to remember, we need to look closely as we see these things happening. You see, the early men and women of the church, who were the church at times, they were delivered and at other times they were not. What do I mean by delivered? It means that sometimes we saw these things like, like the, uh, the apostles or the disciples getting out of jail where they were set free miraculously, right? But we see other times where they suffered great torment and great pain, don't we? And does that mean like, you know, God was awake at the one time and another time he's like got his feet kicked up, you know, sipping on whatever and like, oh, I'm too busy to help you this time. No, it means that he has a plan and if, if, if the early members of the church, if the ones that literally walk with Jesus are experiencing some kind of discomfort, can I give you a real encouraging statement? We're probably going to experience some discomfort in our life as well. And that's okay. It doesn't mean God's not on the job. But to understand these, these, this, the early church and, and for these men and women, for them to be Christian meant to be a disciple which meant that they were not these merely uh, followers of Christ by name only, but it was through action and sharing the good news of the gospel. What was getting them into trouble? Think about this. It's not like they were out like robbing grocery stores or something. They're simply proclaiming the good news of who Jesus was, what they saw with their own eyes, they were just simply sharing that with people and it's getting them in lots and lots of trouble, isn't it? And so again, we need to continually remember this and, and also remember that eventually, the majority of the disciples were martyred at some point. For what? Sharing what they had seen. Sharing what they knew to be true. And it wasn't, they didn't get martyred for just simply staying huddled in their homes or a building. It was because they were going out and doing what Jesus had told them to do. You see, if if you uh, have your Bibles open there in in verse 28, this is really one of the saddest scriptures as it says that we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, again, this the Sanhedrin saying this, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, if we, if you recall numerous times, this sounds very familiar, we know that Peter, whenever he stood up, he basically told everyone listening, like, you're the ones who crucified Jesus. <laughs> right? And I've, I've hit on this in weeks past because it's not the most glamorous statement. It's not a statement that would typically bring overwhelming like yeah that's us that was me it's wonderful but so many people what happened when Peter would share this prior and in other places and other settings many people recognized the fact that it was them that they were guilty and it was true what Peter was saying and so why do I say that this is one of the saddest scriptures is because literally thousands of others had heard the same message about their sin and what did they do they repented and were forgiven and brought into relationship with Jesus Christ. They responded in a way, they recognized their sin, and they responded saying, yes, that is true, I am a sinner, and I need Jesus, and I need forgiveness that only he can offer. Now again, in a crowd this size, I'm sure there's a few of us here that maybe have a little bit of a challenge admitting when we're wrong. Just keep looking at me, and they won't know that it's you. It's true. Oh, you're all looking at me, though, so now I'm scared. But um, but it's true, though, right? Nobody really loves, like, hey, I'm wrong. But when the Holy Spirit is convicting us, when the Holy Spirit, again, is bringing to our attention something where we're off, instead of hardening our hearts and digging our heels in, the beauty of, of the cross and what Jesus did is that forgiveness is standing there available and ready. And yet here is this this, this panel of religious leaders, religious men in that, in that society, and their hearts are hardened, and they cannot see, and they, they're more concerned about their appearance, and they will not simply say, you know what, you're right. It was us. We made a mistake, and we repented. But we don't see that as the case, and so they miss out on this gift. And it goes on in verse 29, and here we see not just Peter but also there's other apostles as well with him on this, this occasion. If you remember before with, with Peter and John, they were standing there, and Peter's doing all the talking. But now we see that the, the other disciples, the other apostles are with him, which is encouraging, seeing that, again, more and more people are standing up and saying, I'm going to be counted amongst them. And so we see here, and we're we're going to delve in here a little bit, to the apostles' response, which kind of can be broken down uh, according to uh, Bruce Milene's uh, commentary on Acts. He breaks it down into seven pieces, and I I liked how he did that. So I'm just going to share some of those with you today. And, And so the way that the apostles' response is broken down is, first, is that we must obey God rather than men. And that's exactly what they had responded with. You see, again, we are called as believers, as followers of Christ, to follow this, right? Whoa. That was almost awkward. To follow this, right? To follow Scripture and what is written—that is our standard. We are not called; uh, we're not called to conform Scripture to us. We are called to conform to what the Scripture says. This is our authority, and so we are called to obey God rather than men. And so they're standing here saying this, again, to these, these men that probably had not heard that very often because <laughs> they were very respected and very powerful in that time. Now, again, before you justify you know, going downtown and there is no speed limit and you just drive however you want, and, and for all of you people that I love dearly that don't use your turn signals um, – we're not saying just to go out and do whatever you want to do, whatever you feel like. No, we're, we're called to a standard. We're called, again, to be obedient. And that, that's what is also being shared here. Because they're being told not to share the truth of what they had seen, right? They are called to say, they're trying to be told, shut your mouths, don't talk about it anymore. But the, the disciples simply could not. They could not s- stop, and they couldn't help themselves but share you see, the Sanhedrin were telling them to do something in opposition to Jesus' direct command. And so they're, they're now going to break down what's really going on here with, with the, the Sanhedrin, and he's, they're going to share now what's going on. And so, so go to our, our second point, is this, in verse 32, is that we need to continue to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Do you know what our call is today, church? It's exactly the same as that. So many times I see, I mean, we can so overcomplicate Christianity. (laughs) And, And there's, you know, there's books on everything. You can do this, you can do that. What's the latest fad in the church? But it really comes down to that. And that was, you know, again, they were going to continue to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because they had literally seen Jesus before and after death. Have you ever been in that place where you know what you saw? And when you try to convey that to somebody, they look at you like, I don't believe you, right? What were those things called, Luke, that you talked about? The dolphin or the whale things? Narwhals, yeah. They do exist, right? They exist. And the person they were talking with at the time, that doesn't exist. So again, we know, and we know for fact, what is true and what is not, and we need to continue to hold that line. The next one is that they share that the resurrection of Jesus was an act of God, all right, an act of God. God alone, the God of their forefathers, was the only one who had the power to do such a thing. You see what Peter is trying to do is he's trying to connect the dots for them, isn't he? He's saying, The same God that you serve, he is the one that raised Jesus. He's the one. We're not coming up with a new religion here. We're simply continuing, and this is the promised Messiah. And so he's trying to, again, he's sharing the truth, he's, and, and him and the other disciples are sharing the truth, but again, they're missing it. You see, God alone, the God of their forefathers, was the only one who had the power to do such a thing. And life was brought, we see, through God alone. When God raised Jesus, what was that? That was bringing life to Jesus and raising him from the dead. And then we see them go on and, and they contract this, contrast this act of God and life with the crucifixion of Jesus, which was what? It was an act of the Sanhedrin or man, right? Who, who crucified Christ? The men that were sitting in front of him, they were the ones that found him guilty. And they were, and, and they were sitting there, and, and again, they're saying that with God, there is life. With man, there is death. The ways of man brought death. The majority of these men were responsible for crucifying the Son of God. So the resurrection, therefore, meant that Jesus was truly the long-awaited Messiah. Again, they've walked them in. They've connected the dots. They've walked them right up. Here you are. You know, they've served it up on a silver platter, if you will. But they didn't want to come to terms with this because of what it would mean. You know it's interesting when I was um, in the Middle East and sharing with a a, a Muslim woman. Um, she, me, and the other pastor, we just we met with her over and over again, and we we would answer her questions. We would present the gospel. We would we would we kept walking her in. We walked her, and she just ran out of questions. She ran out of questions. There was no more, and she was at this place of basically decision. And now again, I'm not going to stand here, and, and none of us should. Because we will never understand. Most of us don't understand the cost for them. If they say yes to Jesus, they literally lose everything. In her case, she could have been, uh, she could have lost her kids. Her husband could take her kids. She would lose any, any money, any inheritance, any, everything. And, and in some places, it's even your life is on the line, right? And so again, I get it. She, but we walked her up to this place, but it came to this moment where she had to make the decision. But it would come at a great cost, and here I think we see the same thing that that again there was a high cost for uh, the these Sanhedrin, because if they if they admitted that he was the Messiah, then they'd have to admit that they killed the Messiah. How does that look on a resume for a religious leader in that time? Right, who killed the, who killed the promised Messiah? That was that was me. Nobody wants that, you know their status, everything, all of their 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 money, their income, their 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 um. Uh, prestige would all be washed out the window because it would have vanished in a moment because again, they would have missed it. And so they sit there and they let this just go right by, either by choice or just their, their ignorance. You see, the truth is, and this is what the disciples are sharing, this is the, the good news about this, is that if anyone, including those who killed them that were sitting in front of them, repents, they will receive forgiveness of their sins through Jesus. And some people either here or online, somebody needs to hear that today and be reminded. Because so many I come across think, you know what, I've done, I've done too much. My past, it's, if, if you knew the truth, God can't forgive me of that. But again, it comes down to what our image of God is. And for many of us, our image of God needs to be much, much greater and much bigger because the greater your image of God, the greater your understanding of how great God's love and how great his forgiveness is. Now again, it doesn't mean that it erases all consequences. There are certain things that, things that we can do in life that God can redeem, but there may be consequences. But we can still experience forgiveness. And this is the cry of the the disciples here, the apostles, as they're sharing with us, to repent, to receive forgiveness of their sins through Jesus. But their pride forced them to miss the good news of the gospel. And so many today, it's, it's, it's our pride, isn't it, that gets in the way? Why? Because when we say we need Jesus, when we need a Savior, it's admitting that we cannot save ourselves. We've tried everything, we've done everything, we've exhausted every option, and we have to come to the place of saying, you know what, I cannot save myself. I need help. I need to be saved. And that means that we have to surrender our pride. And they, they close with this last point in their, in their talk here, that they can be sure of the confirmation of the Holy Spirit's presence. You see, let's not forget how we started this, this whole series in this book with the, with the day of Pentecost, Right? I think a building shaking and them all speaking with, in, in tongues with the, these, this thing that looks like fire resting upon them, I think that's a pretty good indication that it was a legit uh, showing up of the Holy Spirit. right? And so because the Holy Spirit has shown up on the day of Pentecost, what do we see also happening? We see miracles where people are literally laying people, the, the sick, on the streets in hopes that maybe Peter's shadow would pass by and, and heal them. What is that? That's moving and working of the Holy Spirit. God is blessing and his hand is upon these people. And don't forget this jailbreak, right, that we just talked about. Somehow, again, they were locked up. And again, it wasn't like the hinges were blown off. It wasn't like, you know, the side of the wall was missing. They were just gone. (laughs) The guards were still outside thinking everything was fine, that they were still locked up inside. So again, we see just these amazing things happening And so you would think that there would have been an amazing response due to all that the disciples had just shared, especially their miraculous escape from prison and the logical sequence of events that had just been laid out. (laughs) The disciples are doing their job. They're laying it out beautifully like they've done many, many times and seen thousands of people come to know Jesus. And they're doing the exact same thing, but this group choose to harden their hearts. Acts chapter 5, as we continue in verse 33 and it says, but when they heard this, again, this, this crowd, again, had this beautiful presentation and, and all laid out. When they'd heard this, what, were, what was their response? They were enraged and wanted to kill them. Let that just process for a minute. These guys just laid all this out, and here's these, these, these religious men, these religious leaders of stature, and, and what, what happened after they said all this stuff, these... these some of them fishermen and common folk, if you will. These religious men who knew everything, I mean, tons of scripture memorized, they were so angry and they wanted to actually kill them. In verse 34, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up, and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. <laughs> again, here this mob, this, this group of people, the same group of, of people that had, had uh, sentenced Jesus to a crucifixion on a cross are now wanting to kill these, these men before them. But again, they were s- spared this time by this, this man named Gamaliel. Let's talk about him for a minute. Um, in the in the in the army, there was there was always this thing. Whenever like big leaders would come around, like generals and things, you know, you'd be sitting there. You could be in a dining facility and like hundreds of people. And if a general walked in, the person that was at the front door had to call the entire room to attention. You know, nothing like taking a big spoonful of you know mashed potatoes or something. You got it almost to your mouth, and somebody yells, you know, room attention or whatever, and you've got to drop it, and, you know, you stand up, and you got to stand at attention as this guy walks in. Why? Because it's a big deal that he's walking in. There's going to be respect shown, and, and you're, it's going to get your attention. Uh, a funny side story has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon, but I'll share it anyway. It's when I was in Afghanistan as a contractor with the military, uh, I went in to get my hair cut, and there was this gentleman, there was kind of a line, and this guy in uniform, like, walks past to the front of the line, and he's talking, and, you know, they're like, and I, I was out. I was a civilian again. And so I'm like, what's going If nobody else is going to say anything, I'm going to say something. <laughs> so I did. And uh, he turns around, and it's he's got two stars. So he's a two-star general, which is a big deal. Let's just put it that way. Even as a civilian, he could still make my life very bad. I could have been on an airplane that night coming home, uh, you know, and, and have bad things happen. But it was like... It, was, it, it caught my attention very quickly, and I, I recognized very quickly uh, his status and, and who he was. And so I'm like, you know what? You can go ahead. I'm sure you've got much more important things uh, than, than my haircut uh, to take care of. So, you know, we worked it out. It was good. It was a good, good learning experience for me. Um, but the thing is, is, is with this religious leader that we're looking at now, he was extremely respected, much like this general would have been. All right? And so, again, think about this room. This room of many, many men, and they're sitting there, and this guy stands up, and the room goes quiet, and they listen. Why? Because he—he he there was a, a status to him. There was a reason, and he was very respected. You know, he was renowned for his personal piety, and he was a member of the, the Pharisaic, Pharisaic sorry, party, which, again, he was a Pharisee, which was, again, a very respected group of religious men. Oh, and one other note, too, and some of you maybe know this already – but he also had this star poop pupil you might know. Anybody ever heard of the guy named Saul, right, that becomes Paul? He sat at his feet. He would sit at this guy's feet learning. He's the one that was teaching Saul. And so, again, a very, very uh, high-status man. And so, again, he stands up, and he, he sits there, and he, he interrupts the whole thing and says, Wait, wait, listen. And so let's, let's look at what he says now. In verse 35 and it says he said to them men of israel take care that you are about to do what you are about to do with these men again remember they want to kill these guys right what you're about to do with these men for before these days thaddeus rose up claiming to be someone and a number of men about 400 joined him he was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing Now, if you want to be on the wrong side of an equation, <laughs> or if you don't want this is the one that you don't want to be on the wrong side of the equation, right? If you don't, you don't want to oppose someone, it's, it's probably God himself. Can everybody agree to that? Yeah? It's, it's not, this is not going to go well for them. And so here's, here's this guy, and, and you know, this, this was not really a new situation is what he's saying, where someone is trying to lead the Jewish people astray. They had seen things before, and what he's saying is, you know what? God works it out. If God's hand is not on them, they'll, they'll, they'll just disappear. They'll evaporate. But I think, and this is not in a nothing commentary or, you know, in Scripture, I don't think. But I really think that, that Gamaliel, he, I think he believed in who Jesus was. I think he was listening to what they were saying. And I'm sure there were others even in the room. Maybe they didn't have the boldness or the status to stand up and say something. But to think that they, like, you know what? this makes sense. <laughs> I think these guys are right. And so, you know, and I also wonder, too, maybe did he share any of this with Saul later on? Just things I'm, I would wonder about, you know. If you, get, if you get answers to that, let me know, by the way. You can just send that to me, email it. I'd like to know. But So here we have this guy, right? And it's all good. He stands up. He stops everything. They listen to him. It's all good, right? So, so what happens? Is it all good? So uh, the next part of uh, verse 39 there in chapter 5, it says, So they took his advice. Right? Sounds good. Everything stopped. Let's continue. And when they had called the apostles, they beat them. Okay. I mean, I guess if you're, you know, a step up from being killed (laughs) is a good beating. Right? I mean, did they walk out scot-free? No. They got beat. There's no, like, glamorous, you know, let's look at the original Greek here of what really happened. They were beaten. It says, they beat them and charged them not to speak the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, and here comes the head scratcher, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor (laughs) for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So again, they, they got this good beaten. They were just hurt. And then they rejoiced in their suffering. Now, this is audience participation now. And if you're online, you can. How many, your first instincts when, when you get hurt or if somebody were to beat you up, how many of you by show of hands would rejoice and say, Lord, thank you. That was just it's truly amazing. You know, the way they swung and they hit me just straight. You know, nobody's nobody's gonna say that, right? These kinds of things we read it in scripture sometimes, and it's hard. It's hard to kind of process, isn't it? If it's not, then we probably need to sit down and talk about some things because that's not a normal response. But yet here they were, they were rejoicing. But why did they suffer? It was it was for the name of Jesus. And they're like, you know what? If I'm going to suffer, and if Jesus was beaten and died on a cross, then how should I expect anything else for, for myself? And if I can follow him, and if it means to, to, to be treated that way, then it must mean that we're doing something right. And so what did they do? They continued to share the good news. Church, I, I know we're sitting here in Long Grove, Illinois, And most of us here are in the shade, got the nice cool breeze. We're surrounded by trees and birds and whatever else is out here. I don't know, pollen. It's hard sometimes to stop and to to really put ourselves here in this place to understand. Again, they were beaten and and they rejoice as they leave and they go right back to the very thing that Jesus had told them to do, knowing they were probably going to end up in that same position again. That is how dedicated, that is how called they were to what Jesus had told them to. And so as we begin to kind of bring things to a close here today, there's this, this suffering and joy, right? We see suffering and joy together. I wonder how that would go with, you know, the Christmas song, glad tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. The tidings of suffering and joy, suffering and joy. Can we try that this, this Christmas, maybe? I wouldn't sell anything, right? Nobody want to sing that. Everybody would look at me like you're looking at me now, like, no, I don't, I don't really want to do that. Suffering and joy would, is such a strange thing. It's like salty sweet, but it kind of works together, doesn't it? That you can have joy in the midst of suffering. And, you know, this is something I just want to share with you that when we're walking things out and when life doesn't go the way we plan it to, when we go through difficult seasons of life, and I've shared this before, I'll share it again. You know, joy is not happiness, all right? You cannot be happy full, right? You can truly, even when you're going through the darkest, hardest time, And this is what the disciples are experiencing, is that when they were going through their suffering, what are they doing? They're walking with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is close to them and with them. And all they need is God's presence and to know that he is close and with them. That was all they needed. And that is what brought the joy in their life. And that is why they could be joyful in these moments of great trial. And while they're being beaten, they can have joy in that. Did they enjoy it? No, they didn't love that but they loved knowing, one, that they were being obedient to what God called them to do, and, they, and two, I believe they had a very real tangible experience and, and knowledge of his presence in their life. You see, a lot of us here at church, why do we sit there and we're like, God, you just seem so far away. Why aren't you in my life? Why do I seem so dry? But the truth of the matter is it's because we're not walking in obedience to what God has called us to do. God has called us at a basic level to share the gospel, to share the good news. But God has called us to moments and places of obedience. And it's different for each of us. <laughs> there are things he's told us to do. And I promise you this, if you go back to that place where God had told you to do something, because I've talked to a lot of people, and I'm not just talk, let me just nix that statement. I've experienced this a lot in my own life. When I hit these dry seasons and these moments where God, why aren't you present? Where are you? And again, we don't walk by just feeling all the time. But for many of us, if we go back to when we were first saved, when we first became a Christian, there was a sweetness wasn't there. There's a sweetness in that walk with God. It's it's like the honeymoon in a wedding in a marriage many times. And if we go back to that place, oftentimes there's a place where God had told you to do something and whether it was fear, whether it was like I'm too busy, we choose not to do it. And in that moment, we step out of line with God's call of our life, with, with being obedient to what God has called us to do. And then we wonder, why, God, why do you seem far off? And so what do you do? You know, in some cases, you can't go back and and, and change that or be in that situation again, but you can, much like was being presented to these the, this, uh Sanhedrin, you can repent. You can say, God, I blew it. I, mess, I missed it. I messed up in that moment. And God, will you forgive me? God, will you give me another chance? And he will. His grace is there. His mercy is there. His love is there. His kindness is there. It stands ready. Again, the apostles here did the work that Jesus had commanded them to do. The pinnacle of what it is to be a true follower of Christ is to be faithful and to be obedient. And they were still not guaranteed, nor did they experience a life free of pain and suffering. Listen to what James 1, verses 2 through 4, a very familiar passage probably. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Again, we see this joy when you face trials. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, it says this Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We need to be reminded of this, church. We need to be reminded what we're called to do. Perfection, if you will, becoming more like Christ cannot happen in a life void of suffering. <laughs> Yet we live in a, in a place where all we do is we try to alleviate any kind of discomfort we have, right? It's our instinct. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but we're, we're just in a culture where we can really do what we do. If it was 100 degrees out here, probably a lot of us wouldn't be out here today, <laughs> Like, Pastor Joe, you're crazy. I'm not going to sit out there. It's, it's hot, and I'll have sweat, and I don't do well sweating. Again, it's, it's just something we have to be aware of. And I'm not talking about just like, well, do I just bring suffering on then so I can draw closer to Christ? No, suffering will find you if you're being obedient, I promise. <laughs> it just has the way. It's just like kind of a, a thing that works itself out. We will all suffer. We all suffer to some extent. So how do we find, truly find joy in the pain? You know, if you look at a, a gym, right? When you go to the gym, anybody ever been to one of those? I should go more, but I don't. But if you have, you walk in, and you see kind of different, you see two types of people. You see people that know what they're doing, and you see people that don't, right? You go in there, and some of these guys, you know, they're, they're slinging weights all over the place. They're making all this noise and stuff, Ah, you know, lifting. And you see them like a, you know, a few months later, and they look exactly the same or smaller, because they're not doing it, they don't have any any path or they don't know but then you got guys or, or girls in there that that know what they're doing and you can see you know over time you see this progression and what are they doing they're they're, they're bringing on suffering <laughs> if you've never bench pressed or lifted a lot of weights it's not a fun feeling but if you want to grow and build your muscle and become stronger you have to go through that process don't you a lot of us here know very well, myself included, if you don't feel the pain, you're not gonna get the gain, right? And so there's, there's something to this. There's something that we can learn. And one thing I wanna say before I close with this, this, this story I wanna share is this, is I've heard it said once, don't waste your pain. When you find yourself in these situations where it's almost more than you can bear and there's, you're going through this trial or this struggle or this hard time, Don't waste your pain. You're there for a reason. And if you allow the Holy Spirit and you allow God to have his full work in your life, you will come out the other side stronger. Your relationship will be better with God. And you you will have grown as a believer. But sometimes we focus so much on just alleviating the pain that we miss the beauty and the gift that lies in that trial. That God wants to show us. That God wants to develop in us. Anybody ever heard of a group called DC Talk? It's a little kind of older, yeah? Seriously, you guys have never heard of this? DC Talk, no? Man, we're going to start. Okay, we got a few. All right. Well, yeah, there you go in the back row. All right. Well, they're pretty famous. They're pretty famous. And um, back in the day, I actually looked at this book. It's 10 years old now. It's Or not 10, 20 years old now. Um, but they came out. There was a, a album called Jesus Freak, if you've ever heard of that. And they had all these like little things, these books that went along with it. But this one's called "Live Like a Jesus Freak," and it it followed some of the like missionaries and things, and some of the uh, people around the world that maybe stories you haven't heard. And I want to read this story about Dinh Trung and from Vietnam, and it's called "The Decision to Stay." And it's this: <clears throat> It says they came without warning, out of nowhere. Evangelist uh, Tu Dinh Trung was riding his bike over a rough dirt road in North Vietnam. The ruts in the road demanded his full attention. Suddenly, he was surrounded by a squad of communist police officers who pulled him off his bicycle and started beating him. They made fun of him in front of the crowd of villagers, videotaping everything. Finally, he was taken to prison and kept there without trial. Trung had traveled hundreds of miles on his bike while ministering to the Ko tribe. Dozens of Ko villagers had become Jesus followers after Trung visited them in their homes. But the Co is one of 60 tribes in Vietnam that the government has strictly forbidden Jesus freaks to evangelize. Still, more and more believers have dedicated themselves to take the good news of the gospel outside the camp where no official churches exist. Some are school teachers. Most are rice farmers or fishermen. All are persecuted by the communist government. Listen to this. Trung was in prison for six months before his trial. He saw this as a divine opportunity to preach to the lost. What else could the communists do to him? He was already in prison. Through his efforts, many have come to Christ in the prison near Quang Nai. Meanwhile, Jesus freaks around the world were alerted to Trung's situation. Many prayed and wrote letters on his behalf. Because of the pressure put on Vietnamese authorities, Trung was offered an early release. Listen to this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, Early release. The only problem, the evangelist wasn't ready to leave. He felt God's call to stay in prison and disciple his new flock of believers. Who, who can, you can't make this stuff up. Trung refused his early release and chose to serve his full sentence. Trung was greatly encouraged when he heard of the many letters written by believers on his behalf. He knows he is called to be an evangelist in Vietnam, which is a very dangerous occupation. The prayers and letters gave him the strength to continue to be a witness to his fellow inmates for the kingdom of God. He says this, I don't care about my own life. The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me, to tell people the good news about God's grace. What do you, I mean, how do you find, where do you find people like that, right? It's, 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 it's a challenging thing to hear that. You know, <laughs> I don't wanna be out of prison early. Why? Because I have work in here to do. So can you just leave me in for a little longer and let me finish? Let me ask you a question. today. Let me ask us a question today. What is it that you're willing to die for today? Would you die for your faith in Jesus? <laughs> don't answer. It's, it's a, that's a tough question, right? We don't know. I mean, until we're in that situation, we'd like to say, I think that we would, but we're just not sure. You see, the apostles were at a place where the only way they would stop sharing the good news with the others was if they had no breath left in their young lungs. Could that be our prayer today? The only way I'm going to stop is, is when I have no longer have breath in these lungs to share the good news. Let what we've heard from the scripture today and this account of this, this Vietnamese man challenge our faith. Amen? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, today. And God, we thank you we thank you Lord as we look at accounts that we just like we just read Father God both in the scripture today and this account of, of this Vietnamese man Lord God may it challenge our faith may it challenge Lord our walk with you God I pray for everybody within the sound of my voice Lord God God that they wouldn't feel condemned because that's not of your spirit Lord God But that we would feel convicted that we would feel challenged god that we would look at our lives and and god take inventory lord of what is it that's important where are we in our walk with you god may we all be may we all be beyond the place of just existing in our faith but god may we be on mission may we have purpose and may we may we have Uh, just the sense that every day is valuable, that every day, Lord God, we have a a, a mission to accomplish, Lord. God, stir our hearts. Stir our hearts, Lord. God, because we we cannot truly experience the depths of who you are until we're, we're willing to leave the edge of the pool, so to speak. God, would you call us out into the deeper things? Would we be willing to let go of things that are really uh, temporary and, and of this earth and of this world, Lord God? May, may we be challenged, Lord God, to walk in a deeper walk and understanding of who you are. God, of your love for us, God, and what it, our calling is. God, for those who have been living under maybe the, the, the condemnation, Lord, of, 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 of opportunities missed from their past. Of maybe things that have happened to them or maybe things that they've done from their past. Lord God, may they experience, Lord, the fullness of your love, the fullness of your forgiveness. And God, how your word says that you take those things as far as from the east as from the west, Lord God, you remove those things. And again, God, as I've said already, and as we know, Lord God, doesn't mean the consequences aren't necessarily there, but God, we don't need to be under condemnation. God, let, 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 Let us know your love. Let us know, Lord, your strength. Let us know that you are close, Lord God. And God, let us know, Father, that we are truly called, no matter what our age, no matter what our place in life, that we have work to do. God, thank you for your word today. God, I thank you, Lord, for this message. I thank you for this challenge, Lord, that it would, again, move us to action. Let that be our prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Amen. Would you stand?